Hey friend, welcome to The Quest, the podcast featuring three guys who happen to be on staff at the First Christian Church in Cookville, Tennessee, having conversations about following and pursuing God with all of our hearts and helping the church live authentic Christ-following lives in a post-Christian culture. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Quest. It's uh, Pastor Brad here and Jared, our music director at First Christian Church, and Josh Hale, who's our youth minister. And and uh, if you don't know the backstory, we've we've enjoyed getting together and, and just sharing each other's company and talking about the Lord and scripture and ministry. And so we had this bright idea, hey, let's start recording these and, and sharing them with the world. So we hope that this is going to be uh, encouraging to you. We're starting a new book today. What's the title of the book? It's unfolding grace. Unfolding grace. Um, it's it's a cool concept. It's it's a, a book that that walks through Scripture and kind of traces God's grace and how it shows up all the way from uh, kind of the beginning to the end. And it's a, I think it's going to be really cool. So we're doing reading one today, which covers Genesis one through four, and then there's uh, three questions we're gonna. Um, going to attempt to answer. Um, Jared and I, Josh, did you read them beforehand? Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of us did their homework. The other two, <laughs> we just want to respond in the moment to these questions. Uh, having read uh, again, Genesis one through four, and uh, we're going to talk about how God's grace shows up in those first chapters of, of the Bible. But before we get to that, let me just again say, welcome. Remember to like, share, subscribe, all those good things. And um, look forward to trying to uh, put one of these out as life allows. Uh, we, we try to record one each Tuesday, and then and when do we release them? On Fridays. On Fridays. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I just show up and do my thing. I, I don't do anything after that, so that's really good. All right. So let's uh, let's dive in. This is Genesis one through four, looking at God's grace and how it shows up in in these chapters. What's uh, what's the first question, Josh? Do we want to summarize chapters one through four? God made the world, and then it all went bad. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's succinct. <laughs> Summarize, right? Can't, can't get much more simple than that. That's right. <laughs> it's, it was, well, never yeah, mind. Go, go for ahead. it. Okay. So first question, what does God originally create the world to be like? And how does this shape our expectation for what he plans the world's eternal future to be like? Mm. All right. I love that. So original plan, right. and then how does that play out for eternal? Absolutely. Okay. Well, the first thing, and I don't know if this answers the question, but I, you know, every time you read the word something kind of either brand new or, wow, that or refreshes. Remind, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. reminded of something cool there. I love the fact that it said before he put Adam in the garden, he, he planted it. He cultivated it. Right. I just thought that was cool. Yeah. yeah. That is, he didn't just speak it into existence. Mm-hmm. He, he he actually cultivated this thing, this garden. God seems to have a thing with gardens. I mean, <laughs> well, Gethsemane I mean, and yeah, right. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> even well, even even like when Jesus says to the thief on the cross, "Today you will be with me in paradise." If you study that out, that word "paradise" is a cultivated garden, a well manicured, taken care of. Like, wow, you know, I don't know. I just think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, um, what were his intentions with that original garden? Perfection. Um, Sinless and peace are the three words that that I saw in um, in the little intro part of the chapter where they kind of lay out, hey, this is what you're about to start reading. They use the word shalom, which is that um, universal flourishing, harmony, and happiness. Yeah, there was there was there was nothing um, dysfunctional at all. Yeah, 
Um, I, um, I also, I really, I love the fact that in the beginning, there's not even a concept of separation between God and man. No. It's just as natural as natural could be for him to walk in the garden and say, oh, there's God and to just be there among him. Very cool. I mean, you know, reconciliation was a created word that came after that, right? That was necessary because, didn't need it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. So it was beautiful. They were, they were uh, naked. No shame. I like going back further in, into it is, um, so you go through the creation story and God spoke this into existence. God spoke that mm. into existence. Yeah. And then you yeah, get yeah. To, to Adam. And he f- came down and formed and breathed. Yeah. It's very distinct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't created like the rest of creation. And, and so we were placed here, not created out of here. Like it, it's, it's, we are distinct from the rest of creation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that this is that this creation was for us to enjoy and to, to live in and to dwell and to, to master and all of those things, but that we aren't just another thing that was created. Right, right, right. You said something that made me think interesting. We're kind of a hybrid in the sense that he made us out of the dust of the ground, right? Our mm-hmm. bodies, but then he, he breathed yeah. his spirit into us. So we're kind of like this. Wow. Imagine this. We're kind of like an earthly body with the spirit of God inside of it, Ooh. <laughs> which is kind of interesting. <laughs> Almost sounds like incarnation. Wow. Um, no, I think that's very cool. That that's okay. So that's the, that's the garden part of it, right? How does that reflect the end? How does that, what does that teach us about the end of God's intent? Boy, I can't wait for the new heaven and earth. Yeah. I, to go back to that, to being able to, to, to walk, you know, with him literally side by side, to be able to walk with each other, having no barriers, being completely honest and open about, um, somebody posted something on, on, on Facebook that caught me off guard was, uh, when someone speaks ill of you, don't worry, you're worse than they even imagine. <laughs> And it caught me on. That encouraged you. <laughs> it did, because <laughs> we're all in the same boat together. But no, you know, know, but I we know. but we put up these 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 uh, false fronts, um, and and to have that all removed and to be, you know, they, they were naked, right? They were they were completely and utterly vulnerable and open. That's why I said that earlier. It's like because we think of naked, it, it it means so much more than they didn't have clothes. Yeah, on. yeah. to be laid bare, to yeah. to be exposed, yeah. and vulnerable and safe, right? Because when they sin. They realize they're naked, right. which is a whole different deal. It's like now that's like insecurity overwhelmed them. Yeah. The yeah. shame, right? Inadequacy, yeah. all of that brokenness. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, yeah. And they ran and hid, tried to cover it, right? which we've been trying to do ever since. Yep. And so when you get to the end, again, we're restored to that place where we don't have to cover or have any false pretenses or any of that. Yeah. I thought about that. So many people in, in, in different words, I've heard of everyone I've ever like had a serious talk with about this subject. Everybody just wants to be understood. Yes. It's like all these barriers. It's like, no, no, I'm sorry I made you mad. If you had really understood me, I wouldn't have made you mad, right? Because I didn't mean to yeah. or, you know, that kind of thing that's in us. And and it's like, okay, when we get there, there will be no misunderstanding. Right. You know, we'll, we'll see one another for who we really, doesn't John say we'll be known as we, we'll be known as we truly are known or um, I think it's first John. Um, 
he, um, I can't think of it, but it makes me think about that idea that we're, we're, we're open and transparent and yeah, right. And, uh, there won't be, cause we really do have these barriers that frustrate us from being able to really communicate with people the way we yeah. want to. Oh Lord. Yes. Constantly. Yeah. We deal with it in the church all the time. We, we, we want to communicate and we just think if they could just get what we're yeah. trying to say, they know we're not. You know, or whatever. I'm not trying to go down a path there, but well, even we in small that. groups, we see this starting to happen because we've. Um, I mean, we had somebody in our small group text out a prayer request, and in it, she was like, "I don't know what I'm supposed to bring to you guys and what I'm not supposed to bring to you guys." It's like, no, 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 all we're, we're supposed to bring all of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we're starting to see that as our small groups mature just and get closer together. Um, that and begin to find their way to doing things on their own, yeah. which is a good thing, yeah. And that we it's yeah, an carry each other's burdens yeah. and, and we are there for each other, oh, yeah, within the group, yeah, to yeah, support each other, encourage each other, chastise each other, you know, like we're there for each other for sure, for sure. And I, and I, I was thinking though, from the, from the leadership perspective, it's almost inevitable that you're gonna have bumps where groups just do things and go, Oh wow. We didn't know about that. And not that we have to approve every whatever, but yet it's that whole communication thing. Right. Yeah. Just finding our way, learning how to do those things. Well, if you way. don't have bumps, you're probably not pushing very hard. Well, you all, all that's true too. <laughs> uh, that's true too. But I'm just, I'm now, and I'm trying to like, I'm trying to keep a leash on the, the, the thing and keep it back onto the <laughs> oh. grace and, okay. and the end. But because, that's what we were kind of saying is that those barriers to communication will be gone. We won't struggle with that, yeah. either, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. And we'll walk with God. I mean, revelation, is it 21 where the, the new Jerusalem comes down and, uh, and, and I love the declaration. Now the dwelling of God is with man. And there's like a big exclamation point. Like it's, it's like when I read that, it's like, he's so excited. Like, this is what all those 26,000 pages leading to this one were for. This is what I wanted to get back to, man, you know, to be with you. And uh, that tells you something about God's heart, too. Which, I say, even the word in there, it's dwelling with man and not us aspiring to this higher calling of you sure. have to be enlightened or you have to have this status or whatever. It's like, no, God will come again um yeah and you know what as as you said that josh i thought about you and ellie because you know ellie's doing homeschooling and 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 she does quite a bit of her schoolwork here and and we see her a lot ellie isn't is isn't well she might want to grow up and be a big girl and all that like every every child does and i see it with every child i'm just thinking of ellie right now you're not expecting her to be enlightened or to come up to some higher level. You're just her daddy and you're like totally happy to get down on her level and just be with her. Yeah. And, and that's God. Yep. You know, we, we, we get ourselves all twisted up trying something. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was a good question. So, so, and I've often, I've often thought though, that you can take the very beginning pages of the Bible and, and loop them around and connect them to the end. And it's like, you know, you see exactly because, because the garden was plan a, yeah, it wasn't plan B. Right. I mean, it was, this was the way intent. And so we're getting back to the intent at the end, which is so cool. How does that, 
Which is also interesting because God knows exactly what I say that that was my actual pushback against this. The the framing of that question of of the beginning is that it was his intent because Jesus would be his intent. Jesus, you know, the salvation was the intent. Um, Satan was cast out and where and he was cast to earth. So there was um, the plan was already in place at the beginning. So I would well, say now you got to pull the whole omniscience thing in <laughs> well, here because, but that's the grace. I know. So, yeah, so, you're so right. the grace permeates from the beginning because the plan was all along that grace be poured out through His Son's sacrifice. Yeah, from the beginning. So, so that's probably. I'm sorry. That's probably a place where we see layers of things, yeah. like yeah. which is true in Scripture all the time. Yes, the garden is a picture of the perfection a, that will the perfection that will be and that God wanted. I think it's more of a foreshadowing as opposed to Ooh. that was the original intent mm-hmm. because the original intent was that we would have the choice well, because that's true. that's true. But we do see a snapshot of what could be. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But I think that's it. also why he, he withheld any children in, uh, in the, in the garden and w- wait until afterwards. Wow. Uh, don't eat. I don't even want to go down the path that made me think of. <laughs> I, say, I wrote. I wrote on this question also uh, that we see from the very beginning, and we do. We talk about this in children's church every single Sunday. Uh, at the very beginning, it was God's plan that it, Jesus would come, um, and so He put into motion as soon as sin entered the world. He put into motion. Absolutely. Yeah. The next verse. He yeah. came looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole three fifteen thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. We. We. That. The proto. Evangelum. I, I feel the need to call it that because I spent a lot of money to learn that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, just in case you uneducated rabble haven't, <laughs> haven't learned this, no, no, no. <laughs> it's Latin for first gospel, right? Right. right. So that's which so we should probably read. Um, well, no, I will just we'll just say real quick because that's where, and maybe this gets into the next question. Does does either any other questions ask about three fifteen? Genesis three fifteen, mm. in a roundabout way, probably. Mm. Everything we can talk about everything in a roundabout way. Yeah. Well, I'll just say it just real quick because it. it's where God confronts Adam and Eve, and Adam says it wasn't my fault; it was her fault, and she says it wasn't my fault; it was the snake's fault. Right. And of course, he he lays out the curse on every level as he's going through there, and when he gets to the serpent, he says, uh, "I will put enmity between uh, you and the woman." And uh, which, interestingly, the the message, I love the translation there, says, I'm declaring war between you and her. And so then he says, speaks of her her descendant um, that would come from Eve, who would crush the head of the serpent, and he would strike his heel, which is a foreshadowing of the whole ministry of Jesus. We'll get into that. Okay, good. Question number three. Okay, good, good, good. So very cool. Definitely see grace there. Yeah. For sure. Yes. Um, And when he came back and found them that they had sinned, I'm sorry, I always crack up. I remember something Rick Warren said, and I've never forgotten it. He said, whenever God asks a question in scripture, it's never for his own benefit. <laughs> well, he knows would the answer. Well, I was like, why would it be? Here? <laughs> right. But he, but he comes to the garden. He says, Adam, yeah. where are you? Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? Like, like he didn't know. Right. Yeah. So interesting. Which so, haven't we all done that as parents? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kara? Yeah. Oh, for sure, man. Okay. Oh, and, and we do the same thing. It was Josh's fault. It wasn't mine. Yeah. Sorry. I was talking about my, Blame my Josh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What's the next question? Uh, question number two. Uh, what effects of Adam's first sin do we all continue to experience today? All of them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's not a short list. Uh, I think we all have that black hole of shame and inadequacy that we just feel. Oh, absolutely. It drives, well, pretty much all of our issues. Yeah. Yeah. Insecurity is such a huge thing. It's a combination of either wanting to get back to or being stuck in that failed state. Either we're, we're supposing that there is a way of getting back by works or whatever, or I am horrible and deplorable and, and I give up either way. It's not grace. No, it's grace true. counters both of those because it's undeserved and you know, unmerited favor. So it's like, you know, you're being elevated up and it's not because of anything you did. Right. Right, right, right. You're just, which, which is just like, it's just that baseline of acceptance, you know, just look, they're not okay. And you're not okay, but it's okay because, because <laughs> I love you just as you are. Right. right. So you can't even begin to heal until you feel accepted. Really? Right. No. And, and until you acknowledge your position, your place, you can't start to Right. Well, honestly, that, 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 that again, for some reason, parenting and children is coming into my mind a lot in this conversation, but, but we've all worked with young people who didn't receive love, unconditional love affirmation, and they never get over it their whole life. I mean, yes, sin is, is even a deeper rooted issue, but that nurture part, uh, of, of, uh, the way they were raised by the people that they look to as, I mean, children naturally look to their parents as that source hmm. of yeah. affirmation and uh, they never get over it. But if a kid comes from a home where they are poured into and, and loved and affirmed and sure they're taught that they screw up and, but they're loved and they're disciplined in a godly way, man, it just makes such a difference. And I just see such a connection there with our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that acceptance. That was a shorter one. It was. Mm-hmm. All right. Question three. Question three. What key promise uh, does God make to humanity after the fall? And then how do you, uh, how do Jesus's cross and resurrection um, decisively fulfill this promise? There you go. Mm-hmm. So we're back to 315. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the promise is there's one will come. And he came. Yeah. Yeah. But it says, of course, let's break it down, right? He will crush his head. Right. Which is all about a symbol of crushing the power Mm -hmm. of of the serpent. And he will strike his heel, which is the cross. Yep. The deadly blow of the serpent to our Savior. Resurrection is the crushing of the head, man. And uh, um, I mean, in in the simplest of terms, but yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, It does go back to what you were saying, Jared. Mm-hmm. That um, God knew the end from the beginning. Right. Yeah. Christ was slain from the foundations of the earth. Right. That that whole. Yeah. He was. He, he knew. Is, will be on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? We got into a conversation in our small group and I, I, I tread into this part of the conversation very wearisome. I don't know where this will go. Okay. But it, 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 it it's one thing to talk about. Like, um, 
data points in scripture and okay, yeah, we see this truth and yeah, there's a good lesson. And, but then when you start getting into the conceptual things of spirituality and, and realms of, okay, we're in the physical realm, there's a spiritual realm and all these things is heaven a place or is it a spiritual realm or, you know, you, you, sometimes it's hard to talk with some folks about that, but, sure. but when I think about that, I think Christ was slain from the foundations of the earth. I've heard people argue that God set us up in the garden. In other words, that sure you have a choice. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. So, so, I know so what you're going to pick. Exactly. Do, is foreknowledge control? Is foreknowledge do, do, control? Do you have a choice? And scripturally, yes, because you're held re responsible for yeah. your choice. Yeah. But then is that a, a ev <laughs> evil God who is setting you up for failure, basically, yeah. effectively, yeah. and then condemning you for said failure. Right, 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 right. I know, I know. And of course, there's no way we let it utter, we don't ever let it roll off our lips because we know it's not true that God is uh, guilty in some way. Right. Um, um, I think, again, again, this is what makes my brain hurt when I start thinking about this. It's his world. Yeah. So who are we? I think of Paul in, I think Romans nine or somewhere. Who are you to say to the potter <laughs> as the lump of clay? Yeah. Why did you make me like this? I don't like this. Like it, we, we, we really get full of ourselves a little bit there and we forget it's his world. Well, I mean, uh, Lewis prior to, to salvation, he even acknowledges that if there's a God, you don't really get any choice in the matter. It's his world. You, yeah. <laughs> you owe his allegiance to him, whatever that demand is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so, boy, now that brings grace front and center because it's his world. He could squash the whole thing at any moment that he wants to. Yeah. And it's all by grace that we're even sitting here recording this thing. Yeah. And he, he could have. That. I mean, he could have wiped us out a long time ago. Sure. Noah was the exception. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> yeah, that's coming up. That's in the but, next couple no, of chapters, like, right? He didn't have to. Yeah. He could have just said, nope. I'm done. Just wipe all of creation. We'll start over. But he didn't. Yeah. Grace. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. And it, and I think it's an even bigger concept than we're able to con to, to wrap around. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's why I, I think that the the whole discussion of, of predestination and all that, it's just a lack of understanding on our part because what we understand is so minuscule and so we live in confined. time and space. Yeah. Everything's linear. Yeah. Everything's 3D. Right. We don't see things in all, all dimensions. No, we no. don't see everything yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. We being here and being there at the same time. What? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I often thought about that with Jesus, that how it must have felt to leave omnipresence and, and be step confined into a confined to this body. <laughs> moving through the, yeah, this it's construct like, of time. Yeah. Uh -huh. You hear him telling, saying to his disciples, let's, let's go to the next town. <laughs> Oh God, we got to walk. <laughs> like, you know? But then after, after his resurrection, it breaks through like, like reality, like he dismantles it. I mean, he's you know, walking through walls and he's, Oh yeah. After in his resurrection body, people yeah. simultaneously, he's flying. I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. And there were even moments before, right. Where he walked, he walked on, on water. water. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's I can't, just, I can't wait for heaven. I was talking to Amelia about that. She's like, daddy, can we fly in heaven? Like, honey, I don't know, but dear Lord, I hope so. Well, well, 
I, I honestly, I think I hear, I hear the spirit saying, "Fly, <laughs> fly." Yeah, right. You think fly is cool? Yeah, I know. <laughs> what do you? That would that would that would mean that not being on the ground is a deal. <laughs> the uh, children's church lesson that we did this past Sunday. I mean, Jesus transports from he's with the guys in Emmaus, mm-hmm. and then he poof, disappears. Boom, it's like. Gone. Where'd he go? <laughs> and then they run back to yeah. Jerusalem, but it's like, I, yeah, yeah. Like, I want to go get pizza. <laughs> yeah. And, and, oh, never mind. Maybe we can just go off on this, man. I mean, it's really, really amazing, but, but it is really sweet. We're, we're going through a little study with N.T. Wright on some things, and he always makes my brain hurt too. But, he just highlighted that the, a passage where it talked about that God is coming to judge the earth in righteousness and truth. And man, I'm so conditioned when I hear the word judge to hear, oh, he's coming with his list of all the bad things we've done and to set it straight. But that's not what that verse, that verse is a celebration verse. Okay. In the context, I forget where it's at, but he said, no, no, no. This was written by God's people saying, yay, this is a good thing because to, you know, you can judge something. Um, you, you can judge things that are good as good as well. Right? So, so God's people have nothing to fear from that. He's coming with righteousness to, to, to all the oppression, all the brokenness, all the dysfunction. He's coming to get rid of that and set it straight and make it right. And uh, God is better than we even let him be in our minds sometimes. I oh. do. Oh, yeah. We, we, He's so we confine him to this little box in our brains. Yeah. No matter how big that box may be, it's still a confinement. Yeah. A box period. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I think that goes back to my in, insecurity. I, there's still a little piece of me that says, how can you love me? Really? Really? Yeah. Does <laughs> I know he does, man. I know he does, but, but it, it's the 18 inch miracle of, of, of conceptually understanding or knowing yeah. and actually yeah. believing. Yeah. Do I really believe? Because if it's, if it's truly believed, it's, it's lived out. It's experience. It's joy. It's peace. It's, it's, those things that we unbroken. Yeah. Unbroken too, uninterrupted. Cause, and I think again, um, yeah, guys, if you're listening, this is really how our conversations normally go. <laughs> uh, crazy. Um, uh, but uh, Romans seven, we are, we are slaves in a fleshly body, this side of heaven. And so even if our spirit gets it, even if our mind gets it, the flesh is weak, the flesh is always inadequate and fle- struggling and hurting and, yeah. So you can say, yes, I believe this, but that doesn't take away the presence of the flesh. Right. Yeah. So, wow. Well, that was good. Those were the three questions, right? Those were the three questions. Okay. Well, I don't know how what we have for time, but that's okay. I 27. Think, oh, that's good. Yeah. I think uh, that's going to be our format. So if you want to uh, read with us before the next uh, talk. What, what chapters are we going to look at? Five? Genesis 6 through 9. Oh, okay. So we're going to read Genesis 6 through 9, which was basically the flood. Yep. The flood and the covenant with Noah. All right. So so if you want to read that before uh, the next episode comes out, and you can, you can uh, at least in your mind, join us in the conversation. That would be awesome. Um, between now and then, keep your eyes on Jesus. Um, um, you know, 
I know it's a crazy time out there, but, but God is good all the time, as we like to say around here. And all the time, God is good. Uh, like, share, subscribe, uh, leave a comment if you have the ability to, to do that. I don't know that we've ever found a place to read comments yet. So Email us. Yeah, there you go. You can email us. Um, any of our names, Brad, Jared, or Josh, at fcc-cookville.org. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So, all right, man, God bless you. Thanks for hanging out. Till next time. Bye-bye.